Good morning, everyone. You know, today we are going to continue our May series, So Great a Crowd of Witnesses, where we will look at the lives of great men and women of faith and how they use their life to serve their and our extraordinary great God. So today we are going to be looking at this woman of faith, Amy Carmichael. Let us pray. Lord, we commit ourselves to you, O Lord, and even this time into your hands. We pray for Holy Spirit to speak to us, to convict our hearts as we learn from your word and also from the life of Amy Carmichael, what it means to die to self and live to Christ. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. You know, many years ago, Elizabeth Elliot, who we are very familiar with, wife of Jim Elliot, she made this striking comment about the impact of a missionary in India by the name of Amy Carmichael. Life on his own, her own life. Elizabeth actually said this, she, Amy Carmichael, showed me the shape of godliness. What was this shape of godliness that so impacted and influenced the life of Elizabeth? It is clear from the word of God that this godliness does have a shape. In fact, in the Bible, Romans 6 verse 17, Apostle Paul reminded the believers that they used to be slaves to sin, but have come to obey from their hearts the pattern of teaching that has now claimed their allegiance. The word pattern should also be translated as shape or even style. God's truth, God's word being revealed has power, and that power comes to mold us into Christ-likeness. Amy Carmichael's life has been molded, has been shaped, has been styled by the power of God's word. But what was this shape of her full devotion to Christ's life? So we're going to look into her life. Amy Carmichael was born in the Northern Ireland to a very strong Christian large family. She was very, very well-versed in classic, in literature, and also in language. At a young age, she has this intense hunger for the Word of God, even for God herself. And she always recounts at the beginning of the time where God will put in her mind that her call, her ministry, was to reach out to the needy. Amy Carmichael went to Ceylon, which is Sri Lanka today, and Japan in her earlier years of ministry, and she endures and suffered much hardships. Her constant prayer was to have a love that loved the people to death and a passionate faith that burns for Christ. Unfortunately, she fell sick. She fell sick because she was diagnosed with this pain along a nerve, especially in the area of the head and face. She has no choice you know, but to go back to her homeland, island for rest. But it was also during this period of rest that God spoke to her. She decided that her call was in India. She eventually found a mission agency willing to put her on a ship and send her to India. And it was there in India that she founded Deliver Fellowship, where she rescued the poorest, the youngest, and the most despised babies and children. Amy Carmichael soon discovered that the way to reach the India is only through sacrifice. And her life reflected that when we die to our plans, our wants and our dreams, God is glorified in powerful ways. A life of dying to self that leads to fruitfulness in the kingdom of God. And that was the shape of 
godliness that Elizabeth Eret shared about Amy Carmichael, to die to self and to live to Christ. How then do we die to self and live to Christ? That is what we're going to read about and hear about this morning. Let us read John chapter 12, verses 20 to 26. Now there were some Greeks among those who were going up to worship at the feast. Those people then came to Philip, who was from Bethsaida of Galilee, and was making a request of him, saying, Sir, we wish to see Jesus. Philip came and told Andrew. Then Andrew and Philip came and told Jesus. But Jesus answered them by saying, The hour has come for the Son of Man to be glorified. And truly, truly, I say to you, unless a grain of wheat falls into the earth and dies, it remains alone. But if it dies, it bears much fruits. And the one who loves his life loses it. And the one who hates his life in this world will keep it to eternal life. If anyone serves me, he must follow me. And where I am, there my servant will be also. If anyone serves me, the Father will honour him. This is the word of God. Here John has finished recording the events of Jesus' public ministry. In fact, starting here in John chapter 12, the final chapter of books of signs where three events in the days just prior to Passover are recorded. Firstly, you know, we see in chapter 12, 1 to 11, that Mary anoints Jesus in Bethany. And then it goes on, the second event, Jesus entering Jerusalem in his triumphant entry. And lastly, Greeks who, end, who attend Passover visiting Jesus. And as we look at today, our scripture, John 12, verses 20 to 26, here in verses 20 to 23, it says, the hour has come. The hour has come. In fact, just a few months ago, Jesus has performed his greatest miracle. He raised a man from the dead and his miracle spread all over the region. And we know, right, throughout the gospel, we read about the gospel and we just finished reading it in, during Lent, that there will always be people following Jesus, his disciples, the crowd, and also the onlookers. And this time, the Greeks, and these Greeks represent the many sensitive and thoughtful non-Jews in the first generation. And they were attracted to Judaism. They were drawn by the simplicity of Judaism. In fact, at this time, the Greeks are most likely uncertain about Jesus' attitude to Gentiles. And so they approach Jesus through Philip, an understandable choice among the disciples due to Philip's Galilean roots and also the, him speaking Greek. And Philip sharing their uncertainty or simply because he's a little bit awkward, you know, in approaching Jesus, he seeks out Andrew. The request of the Greeks to see Jesus or have a conversation with Jesus moved Jesus to state his mission on earth given by his heavenly father. He said, the hour has come. In fact, throughout the earliest chapter, the hour has not yet. The not yet now is over. The now has arrived. And John, you know, bring us to the central crisis of the gospel. And in this part of the gospel, the, whole, 
And in this John 12, the goal of the entire mission of Jesus. The hour, however, is not a point in time, but a moment filled with meaning. The hour has come for the Son of Man to be glorified. Jesus, who the Father has consecrated and brought into the world, whose food is doing the will of his Father who sent him and also finishing his work, now bring finest glory to the Father in an act of obedience unto death. And in this action, the Father will now crown the Son with glory. And this glory was revealed in the ministry of Jesus, and it is the manifestation of God's divine majesty. To be glorified here means to be honored, and of course, referred to here as to Jesus. Jesus' honor is attained only in the context of his 100% total submission to his heavenly Father. And thus, he glorifies the Father by becoming totally transparent like a window through which the Father's glory is now focused. And truly, truly, the only way to Jesus' glorification is through death. And that's why Jesus said in verse 24, he must die so that his death can lead to life. And it is in dying leading to life. You know, in verse 24, we say, he says that, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless a grain of wheat falls into the earth and dies, it remains alone. But if it dies, it bears much fruit. Jesus is as a grain of wheat which must fall into the earth and dies there before he can be fruitful in the Father's purpose. And the glory will not be produced by Jewish religions, um, anodism, or even of great intellectual curiosity. In fact, there is no straight road from all this to God and his glory. The only way, the only way is by self-denial that the glory of God will be revealed and this kingdom make available for the world. And up to now, we know that the hour has always been coming and now it has come. In fact, rejection by the Jews coupled with interest by Gentiles evoked this parable of the seed. Only when the kernel of wheat dies does the new life comes, and this is what happened to Jesus. Like Jesus, the seed will be planted in the ground. And like that seed, he will give birth to a glorious new plant. Indeed, it will produce not only a plant, but also many seeds. And these seeds are people who, through faith in Jesus, will find eternal life. And this is the fruit of evangelism. Another meaning of the seeds is also found through his death. You know, fruit will be produced in the life of his disciples, the quality of life revealed in his death. This principle of dying and raising not only applied to Jesus Christ, in fact, it also become a whole mindset for his disciples who's us. You know, Professor James Pascal in this Homer New Testament commentary said this, the grain of wheat must fall into the ground and die, that it may produce fruit. And even so, eternal life for the many comes through the sacrifice of the one. And the same 
providential law is applicable to each individual believer, he must disown the imperious authority of his selfish ego if he is to live the life of an integrated person. He must abandon ruthlessly a self-centered assistant live in conformity to the standard of the world if the higher element in him is to be preserved unto life internal. And this he cannot do by himself. He must have an example to follow. And Jesus is that example. And by looking to him, a life of service to him is made possible. And the life of service continues, you know, constitutes the dying in order to live, which is the theme of Jesus' teaching in this passage. Amy Carmichael understood this totally. A life of service is made possible when she saw the example of Jesus set for her. You know, she found her true calling in India. She had heard about the young girls being sold by their poor families. And they were sold to the temples to get money from the temple's priests. They were sold as slaves, as prostitutes in Hindu worship. Sometimes they were kidnapped and kept there you know, for the rest of their life. And some young boys were also dealt the same way. Amy Carmichael established an orphanage for them, a medical clinic, and also school for the children. Amy was clear about her call. You know, to rescue these children, redeem them, and win them to Christ, to give them a Christian upbringing, and to help them fulfill their calling in the world. The ministry for her is never easy, but Amy perseveres with a renderless and risky love for these children. She stayed focused to take the gospel and the light to India. But then in 1931, you know, when she was 64 years old, her life took a difficult and a different turn. On her home visit one day, she fell into a construction hole, broke her leg, twisted her spine. For the next 20 years, she was being confined to the wheelchair and to on her bed. But what happens after that? No, she did not stop her ministry. She continued to write books and even songs. And there was this book entitled, If, that the Holy Spirit led her to write about Calvary's love. She wrote this. If the ultimate, the hardest cannot be asked of me, if my fellows hesitate to ask it and turn to someone else, then I know nothing of Calvary's love. Even when she's confined to her bed and her wheelchair, she still wants to fulfill the calling and the ministry that God has called her. If not, she knows nothing of the Calvary's love. And with her challenges, with her clear sight, when she, what she held on was Calvary's love. And she focused on the agape love of Christ and then start living that out in her life. She spent 56 years in India. She never went home to Ireland. Her funeral was attended by many children and the little ones, especially the little ones who she has saved. On the grounds of the liver, there was this small bird bath and one word marks the grave of Amy Kemichael. Ama. Ama. 
which means mother. She was the mother to the motherless. You know, dear friends, fruitfulness is costly. It is in dying that we become life savers, givers. It is dying leading to life. And in verses 25 to 26 tell us that in following Jesus, we disciples of Jesus live radically. Here Jesus started talking in general term. The one who loves his life loses it. And the one who hates his life in this world will keep it to internal life. Here is the call to radical discipleships. In fact, the word life is mentioned three times in verse 25. The first two translated psyche and the third, zoe. An obvious difference referring to life in this world, you know, psyche, physical, and also life internal, zoe. The first two life psyche does not only refer to the physical, but it is more comprehensive than that, taking in one whole being, one whole self. And this self is to be renewed with God and receive life from Him. Psyche is the life which is given to man by God and which through man's attitude towards God receives his character. The love of this self is the heart of all sin, beginning the rebellion in the Garden of Eden. And that rebellion only brings us death and continues to bring us death. When Jesus said the one who loves this self will lose it, he is not saying we will replace it. Or misplace it, you know, but rather he's saying it will be destroyed. What is needed is a detachment from this self, and it is what he meant in verse 25 by saying hates. In fact, in Luke 14, verse 26, when Jesus said his disciples must hate his father and mother, he does not mean despise or even reject our parents, you know, he's speaking about choices and attachment. He means the devotion and obedience to himself must be so thorough, so totally, 100%, that nothing else is distracting. So Jesus is not speaking of a hatred of the self itself, but rather of a rejection of the self-claims to autonomy and control. It causes one to reject the way of rebellion and live in the light of eternity. In fact, at the heart of discipleship is love, and at the heart of love is sacrificed. And here in verse 26, If anyone serves me, he must follow me. And where I am, there my servant will be also. If anyone serves me, the Father will honor him. He has been speaking about his death, and now say the servant must follow the master. The reward of such obedience, even through death, is twofold. To be with Jesus and to be honoured by the Father. In fact, Jesus has been living in the presence of God and is returning to God. And so this is a promise of being with Christ in the presence of God. The honour we receive from the Father comes from our relationship with Christ, the one whom the Father honours. And only through a death to the false, rebellious self that we can receive such life and return to our true humility in union with God, the relationship with Him. Verses 25 and 26 contain the core description of discipleship. 
And here, Carlson, a professor in this um, Trinity Divinity School, says this, Self must be displaced by another. The endless, shameless focus on self must be displaced by focus on Jesus Christ, who is the supreme revelation of God. This self to force self and the death to it is a form of suffering. Christ's call includes sometimes, in fact, many times physical suffering. Like master, like disciples, those who follow and those who want to follow Jesus have to follow that same pattern. Radical life, radical way of following Jesus. In fact, the moment we started or even entered a relationship with Jesus, we are already radical. You know, many times when I hear the word radical discipleship, I ask myself, radical discipleship? You know, when we say yes in receiving Jesus as our Lord and Savior, isn't that already radical? Who told us to love our enemies? Who told us to forgive and endlessly. And this is a choice that we have to meet daily. Amy Kermichael chose to take up her cross, follow Jesus, and she chose it daily. She chose to die to her plans, her dreams, when she struggled with her call to mission. She was looking at all the missionaries, you know, and she, she thought to herself, it's a very lonely mission to be alone. But then God assured her that none that trust in him will ever be alone or desolate. She chose to die to her comfort and self when she has to disguise herself. Many times she has to dress like them. She has to make her skin darker so that she can be one of the Indian. You know, disguise herself while rescuing the young girls and boys, you know, from the temple so that they will not be so a slave or prostitutes. And day by day, you know, as she, she did that, God protected the children and her. And it is a choice daily for her to die to self and to live to Christ. You know, how do we die to self and live to Christ? You know, some of us do will be called to be missionary, but not many of us if you are that person who you know in your heart that God is calling you to serve him full-time as a missionary, you know, you have to respond. You have to share it with a mentor or a pastor and respond to that call. But the thing is, not all of us, not all of us will be called and be sent out as missionary overseas. But we are all called to be missionary in our local land, Singapore. You know, throughout the whole Old Testament, God keeps telling his people to remember what he has done. In the same way, you know, when I was preparing this message, God brought to mind, God brought to mind what we can remember. Especially during the circuit breaker, especially during the two years of COVID season, especially what is happening even now. You know, as a church, we have learned to love and care. We have never learned to reach out to a groups of people, you know, until circuit breaker. And, I, I, and again and again, we have been saying and sharing about this group of rough sleeper, the homeless people. 
Now, I remember during our circuit breaker when we started S3P, many of our church members said this, and I, I remember it, it says, they have never known that there are so many homeless, so many rough sleepers in Singapore. Remember our migrant worker. They are still around. Remember the neatly and the less fortunate. Remember our cleaners who ensure our blocks are clean. Remember our neighbours who might be staying alone and perhaps just need someone to cheer them up. And remember our community that God has given us. Remember, remember. Now that the SMM has lessened and Singapore has opened up, don't forget about them. Remember, remember them. How do we die to self and live to Christ? You know, we can die to our pride, die to our comfort zone, die to our convenience. You know, we talk about our community. Transit Point is just so near to us. Will we reach out to the rough sleeper in Transit Point? Every end of the month, we have our food rationing. How about the elders staying in Red Hill and Industrial Road with our food rationing? Will you come and reach out to them? Next month, we're having our face-to-face um, -face HDB community. Will you come and welcome our new residents at Sky Oasis? You know, I've been praying how we can make an impact in the HDB blocks that God has given us. I asked our admin to count, to check our church directory and count who are the families who have been staying around here. You know, Sky Terrace, Sky Park, Sky View, Sky Oasis. We have 19, we have 19 to about 20, I believe about 22 or 25, because some of you all haven't updated your address yet, who are staying around this community, you know. You know, it might not be intentional, but the Lord has brought you here into the community that QBC wants to reach out to. And maybe for some of us, when we think about moving to a new place, do we want to be intentional in moving into the Queenstown community? How do we die to self and live to Christ? Our homes, you know, will you reach out to the cleaners who sweep the corridor of your flat every morning just by saying, good morning. You know, your greeting really made their day. I remember when I was staying with my sister because we sold our house waiting for our new, flat, uh, new unit. You know, my sis, um, there's this cleaner who will always come every morning about 10.30. We know the timing. And he will start coming, cleaning the house. Beginning, my mom and me, right, we will sit at, in front of our TV at our sofa. We will always see him walk past, right? Then we realized that we're like, hey, he's like not very happy. Huh? My mom told me, yeah, a lot of worries and, and um, don't know what he's thinking about. You know, so one day, we decided to just say good morning to him. On Christmas, we decided to give him a box of cookies and chocolates. And that opened up just more than just good morning. He would just say good morning, and then he start talking to us about his day, and then a bit here and there with my mom. You know, how do we move out of our comfort zone it's never easy, you know, for me. I'm an introvert, if you, all, uh, if you all know me very well. But how do 
we allow God to move us out of our comfort zone, to die to self, and to live to Christ. How about our neighbors, the elderly who stay alone, the single parent who struggle with his or her children, young families, marketplace, will you join a colleague who always lunch alone? Will you have conversation or even drop an encouragement note to your colleagues during times of stress, during times of deadlines? And I want to talk to young people. I don't across young people. Will you choose a cost or a job that God has asked you to? It might be, be different from your dream, but would you? You know, I have a friend who once shared with me that he chose to study sound engineering. And it's very interesting because I don't really have m- many friends who study that. It's very specific, sound engineering. And he shared with me this. I choose sound engineering. I choose to study sound engineering in poly because I want to use it to serve God. And he is now serving in his church, not only during weekdays as an audio server, but he is actually serving full-time in his church, very near to us, one of the churches here, as one of the sound engineers. He gave his dream to work in the society and come into full-time to serve God in his church. It doesn't mean that only pastor can come into full-time. In the kingdom of God, what does he need? How then do we die to self and live to Christ? This is a radical choice that we need to make daily in our lives. I mean, we have our new friends here. I do not know whether you know Jesus personally. You know, when Jesus died on the cross, he died for you too. You know, maybe you have heard Christians that always say good news. Why is it good news? You know, the good news of Jesus, right? Maybe you have heard that. Maybe you have not. It is good news because God loves us unconditionally. He must die so that he can, so that we can have life and we can have eternal life. And this love, no, no boundaries, no, no culture, no, no great race, no, no color. And there's no need to wait until you are ready because the hour is now. The hour has come and it is now. And look, Jesus is coming back again soon, very soon. And let us keep our eyes on Christ and his coming kingdom. Let us not only see this world, but the one to come. We will keep our minds not on things below, but on things above so that we may be busy, may not be busy living our life, but we will be busy living life on mission. And let us die to self and start living to Christ. And we need to make that choice every day. Let us pray. Father God, we thank you, Lord, Father, for your word. We pray, Lord, that you'll show us what it means to serve you by dying to self and living to Christ. Push us out of our comfort zone. Move us out of our 
convenience, O oh Lord. You grow us and allow the Holy Spirit to lead, to guide us you know, to where you want us to be, to do, and to go. Let us be sensitive to your leading and calling, Lord. And when you call and when you stir, you know, us in dying to ourselves, let us obey you. We thank you for your word. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.